All right, if you got your Bible, open it up. First Kings chapter 17. That's my announcements. There's a thing kind of on Facebook now, and I'm not overly social media. People are always like, you got to get on Instagram. You got to get on Snapchat. You got to get on all these. And, uh, and I don't knock all those. I just don't have. Uh, it just missed me generationally. I'm, I'm about to be old in some respects. Not to me. Now, I'm a, I'm a young champion. But to the younger generation, to my kids, I'm ancient. Right? To my kids, I'm, I'm ancient. You're just like, you're old. I'm like, whatever. I'll whip your butt up and down this house. <laughs> you're old. They think I'm old, you know. But, so, but there is the, if you're into multiple platforms of social media, the one I've seen really here recently is Facebook. We use that to communicate with the church. There is this God is thing where you write God is, and then you kind of fill in what, what God is. So I got you a God is this morning, and uh, I left it blank there in your, in your worship guide because I just want you to write God is my source. I want to talk to you this morning about having this foundation in your life that God is your source. That this needs to be something that you allow to be poured into your heart this morning. It needs to be a reminder and it needs to set up. If you've ever poured concrete before, that there's a mixing, right? There's some ingredients that go into it. And uh, uh, once that, those ingredients are all mixed together, you, you dump it wherever, wherever it is, and then that thing sets up. And once it sets up, it becomes a platform, or it becomes a foundation that, that's immovable, or it's supposed to be. And it, it becomes a, a something that you can build your life on. And Jesus said that whenever we build our life on the Word of God, that, that whenever the storms of life come, our house won't fall. That whenever we build our life on concrete rooted, established truths, then, then those are the things that we need to build our life on. So I want to I wanna reintroduce or just pound this, not pound this into you, not going to hurt you this morning, but, but I, want, I want to help establish or reestablish this, this truth in you that God is your source. When things are going good, He's your source. When things aren't going so good, He's your source. When you're broke, He's your source. When you got more money than you know what to do with, He's your source. It's very important that in success you see God as your source and you honor Him accordingly. It's equally important when, when, when you're struggling and when you're broke that you see God as your source and you honor Him accordingly. There's a story whenever Jesus is sitting by the treasury in the New Testament. And, the, and y'all, y'all have heard this before. There's a, there's a widow woman that comes and puts two... Two mites, or that's like you know, a quarter of a cent. She puts two pennies in the offering. And God is watching these other people put all kind of money in the treasury. And he, and, and he takes his disciples and he says, This woman has given more than all the other people combined. So even though she was in, in, real, in, a, in an impoverished condition, she still, she saw God as her source. And if we'll see God as our source, then we can have confidence in our giving. Whenever we got what we need and whenever we don't have what we need, if we'll acknowledge Him and if we'll see Him as the person who's the source or the strength of our life, then you'll have everything that you need. And I want to show you three different people in the Bible this morning. I'm going to spend about 10 minutes on each person, then I'll let you go. I'm going to show you a prophet, I'm going to show you a preacher, and I'm going to show you a widow. And I'm going to show you how each one of them had this, this established 
principle in their life that God is their source. So we're going to start with the prophet. We're in 1 Kings chapter 17. And I want this truth to set up in your heart this morning. And just for the record, I'm talking primarily about money this morning, which I know that's kind of faux pas in, in Christian circles these days. But if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. And you need it and I need it. So we're not, not to confuse you, we're, we're talking about God being our source and us being uh, generous as a people. Now, Elisha, this is verse number one of 1 Kings chapter 17. Elisha, the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead, he said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain. In the next years, ex- next few years, except at my word. Now to let you know what's going on here is Elijah's the prophet of God. And uh, Ahab is the king. And in most circles, the king is the most powerful person in a country. But in God's circle, the, the prophet of God was the most powerful person uh, in this scenario. Ahab likes to think, you know, most kings think that they're the most powerful. How many of y'all know God's more powerful than kings? He's more powerful than presidents. He, he's more powerful. He has the last say in things. So Ahab thinks that he's running everything. But, but Elisha, uh, anointed by God, he's the prophet of God. And most of the time, the, the Bible tells us that, that people like Elijah would have long beards, long hair. They wore rough hair. They wore camel-like clothing. And they, they looked different. But whenever they spoke to the king, they would come to the king and say, God, God's not happy with what you're doing here and you better make some adjustments or the birds are going to eat your carcass. <laughs> Literally, they would say they would tell the king, if you don't make some adjustments, your kingdom's going to be taken out of your hand. If you don't make some adjustments, the things are going to be that they're not going to go well with you. So Elisha's walking into King Ahab and King Ahab does not like Elisha because he doesn't stand for what he stands for. So he walks into King Ahab and he says, King Ahab, I want you to know that there'll be no dew and there'll be no rain for the next three years in your kingdom. Now, if you watch the news out in, out in, I like to watch 60 Minutes. Out in California, if you water your lawn, they'll write you a ticket. How many of y'all know that? Isn't that crazy? We got, we got water for days, right? Our house is floating. We got people floating in their, home, in their homes. But down there, it's like they, got, they, have, uh, they have little police, Little water your lawn police that will come and write you tickets. Why? Because there's a shortage of water. Well, you can imagine if it hasn't rained in six weeks here, things get pretty dry. If it doesn't rain in six months, things are dead. And, and in that culture, rain equated to money. It really did. Because if it rained, then the grout, the, the, the grain and the oats and the, 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 the beans and the vineyards, the wine, the grapes... Things were alive and the sheep were fat and the cows were fat. And and it equated to commerce. It equated to money. And the God that Ahab was bowing down and was worshiping and was leading God's people in worship was the God of Baal. And Baal was was the rain God. So they would get out there and... and, Have you all seen them videos where they make it rain? Right? (laughs) And make it rain, right? Uh, make, it, make, make it rain, make it rain. Well, well they're out there dancing and, and worshiping Baal in hopes that he will make it rain. 
Because whenever it rained, it was like money was raining, literally, because that's how they, that's how they lived. And if the rain was, was cut off, then, then everything dried up, commerce dried up, everything dried up. So God is telling Elisha, he says, you need to go tell King Ahab that, that Baal don't control the rain. I control the rain. I control the heavens. Baal don't control Nothing. And he's trying to teach his people. These are God's people. He's trying to teach God's people. He says, listen, you don't look to outside sources for your supply. I'm your supply. I'm your source. If you'll honor me, if you'll worship me, if you'll look to me, if you'll keep me in the right perspective or the framework concerning what's the source of your life. Don't be looking to bail for your increase or for your source. He says, no, 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 you look to me. So he tells, he tells Ahab, he says, there won't even be dew on the ground for, for three years. Really, really amazing. So after a year or so, you can imagine things have gotten really, really dry or really barren. And now God gives him the next, next part of instructions here. And then the word of the Lord came to Elisha. He says, leave here. Turn eastward. And hide in the Kareth ravine east of the Jordan. Tells him exactly where to go for why. He says, you will drink from the brook. And I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. Really interesting that in the middle of a drought, God tells Elisha exactly where to go for him to be sustained. And he says, everybody else is running out. But he says, Elisha, I've got a place that I want to lead you to. That I'm going to bring you to another source of resources. And there, there there's going to be a brook. Everything else is dried up, but I've got water for you there. And he says, there's going to be ravens. I've instructed birds to come and feed you and sustain you through this time of difficulty. And it's funny, I can't prove this is this is not in the Bible, but 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 I, I read an article where archaeologists have, have found or discovered where King Ahab, whenever they would worship the sun God and the rain God, they worship all these other gods, that King Ahab would go out every day and would feed ravens. He would put food out for them. And whenever they would take the food, uh, they believed that the birds were bringing the food up to the gods. Now again, I can't confirm that, but I just I, that sounds like Jesus to me. That King Ahab, the person that wants to kill Elisha, is putting out food for these birds. <laughs> I love it. And, 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 and the birds are coming and bringing his food to the person that he's trying to kill. And I just, I just see God all over that, that, the, that what the devil means for evil. God will take that and what, what he, what, what, what's trying to kill us, he'll actually turn that thing around and make it the thing that, that sustains us. And again, I can't prove that that's not scriptural. But it just sounds like something that my God would do because the Bible says, he that sitteth in the heavens, he laughs. And that's just funny to me, right? You see King Ahab is like, oh, I don't know. And he's feeding these birds and he's like, go, take it to the gods. And the birds are flying across town and giving it to Ahab. And he's like, wow, look at this. Chicken and biscuits. He's like, this is amazing. Where is this coming from? This is like the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, anyway. So he says, so he did what the Lord told him. 
He went to the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan and he stayed there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning. And bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. But sometime later, the brook dried up. But I say the brook dried up. The brook dried up. And, 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 and I, I want to get this idea over to you that, that there's times in your life where God uses different streams to accomplish His purpose in you and to give you what you need. But how many of y'all know streams, brooks dry up? Some brooks dry up, companies close, and there's downsizings, and there, there's layoffs. If you work in the plants, there's turnarounds, and there's, there's jobs that end, and there's jobs begin. But how many of y'all know just because one brook dries up doesn't mean that there's not a brook out there? And I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe, maybe you're in a place where, where, where the sheep are fat, right, and the grass is green, or maybe you're here in a place where you've transitioned out of that and you're at a brook that's drying up. Maybe you're at a place you're saying, I'm in the worst financial condition I've ever been in my life. The brook is 100% totally dried up. I, I, I'm here to, to, to put this in you that, that God's your source. God was Elisha's source whenever everything was going great. God was Elisha's source whenever things weren't so great. He's being fed by birds, but at least he's making it. And God is still Elisha's source whenever things totally dried up. And if you're like me, there's been lots of, lots of streams that the Lord's brought into my life to accomplish his purpose and to help me be blessed over the past 39 years. I fried chicken at Popeye's. Give it up for Popeyes. I pushed buggies for, for Kroger's. I worked on a, a, a tugboat. I worked on construction sites. Uh, <laughs> we bred dogs. <laughs> I mean, I remember, I mean, I remember what it's like when you're like living at a brook that's just trickling and you're like, man, we need some money. Our dog's a girl. <laughs> She's a girl. She's really sweet and really pretty. So <laughs> we're going to find her a man. <laughs> I mean, I know that. And, and, and that, that was, I'll just tell you, honestly, that was, a, that was a stream, not just for us. And I don't have a, I don't have a, a ton of time to get into this, but, but, but it's not just about us. It's also many times, it's, it's about us trusting God. I mean, I know Elisha had to trust God. He had to trust God. God said, I need you to go to this brook. He's like, man, things are dry. People are dying. People are starving. Uh, how's, this, how's this thing going to work? But God says, if you'll go there, I'll show you how to work. And then birds start coming in, which is how I many I know sometimes the Lord will bring it from some, some unusual places. Unusual places, God will supply what you need to sustain you. And it may not be as good as it was, but if you'll stick with Him, He'll bring it back to as good as it was. But if you lose that foundation of, God, God, you're my source. If you lose that attitude, then it's difficult for Him to bring you out of that place. But, but we, 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 would, we bred dogs, you know, for uh, several years because things would, things would get tight. And uh, that, that was an avenue for us to, to make it out of some situation. How many of y'all know if you start a, start a new business, there's going to be some years it seems like things is dry. Dry a few years. If you start a church or if you're, if you're putting yourself through college, eating ramen noodles, things 
can be dry. But if God will be your source in ramen noodles, He'll bring you, the Bible says, to a wealthy place, to a green pasture. If God will be your source whenever things are great and things... I mean, I know many times the, the, the test of success is harder to pass than the test of failure. Many times whenever you got a million dollars, it's more difficult to be generous than when you had ten dollars. That's just a fact. Statistically, that's a fact. That whenever people make more money, they're less generous than they were whenever they had less money. Statistically, you can look that up. That's a fact. That, that the more we increase, that the more that God brings us into, the bigger the stream. We go from a brook to a gusher, and, and, and yet we, we close it down instead of opening it up. And that's just a fact. We have to deal with that. We have to own that. And we have to say, God, you're my source whenever I don't have enough. And God, you're my source whenever I have plenty. And I told you I wanted to show you a prophet, a preacher, and a widow. Now I want to show you the New Testament, and I want to show you a preacher. This is not somebody with long hair that wears camel. This is the Apostle Paul. He's the most astute person on the planet at that time. He was trained by Gamaliel, which is like going to Harvard. PhD law. I mean, he's he, he's he knows multiple languages and dialects. This guy is as sharp as they come, and he's very affluent. Not only is he a Jew, but he's also a Roman citizen, which is why they had such a hard time killing him. And for you to be a Jew and a Roman citizen, that's a big deal. I'm telling you, this guy is not just a camel wearing, hair wearing prophet in the Old Testament. This guy knows how to live with plenty in the account, and yet he knows he's learned the closer he got to God the more he realized it's not about me it's about it's about him and it, it it's well let's just look Philippians chapter 4 and I'm going to show you two verses that are so popular these verses are like the ones that we get on our t-shirts and we get them on our bumper stickers and we quote these verses and you know these verses but this is the Apostle Paul, and he's talking to the Philippian people, the Philippian church. That's why it's in the book of Philippians. He's writing a letter thanking them and congratulating them on being generous. And he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And I'm not saying this because I am in need for I have learned to be content. Everybody say content. The Apostle Paul is somebody that's got plenty of money. But he says, he says, he says, I understand that you wanted to, you wanted to give to my ministry. You wanted to support the work that I'm doing. And you didn't have opportunity to do that. But he says, then you found the opportunity and it worked out. But he says, I'm not saying this to tell you that I'm in need. For I've learned to be content. What's he saying? He says, I've just learned that God is my source. He says, whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. He says, I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. Whether I'm well fed or I'm hungry. Whether I'm living in plenty or I'm living in want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How many of you have heard that verse before? I mean, I've quoted that verse before. Oh, yeah, that's a good one, right? I can do all things through Christ. Oh, strengthens me. But I mean, I know that sometimes you've got to read things in context. And that really, he's, he's making this proclamation in the fact that God's my source. And whenever I didn't have enough, he, he was enough. He made me. Whenever I, whenever I, was, uh, I was hungry, 
He helped me through that season, through the transitions of my life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Through every phase of my life, he says, I can look at whenever I had tons. But then there were other times, if you study Paul's life, whenever 40 men said, we will not sleep until we kill Paul. And, and they would chase him, and he was barren. He didn't have anything. He was running from the law. But he says, in every situation of my life, I've learned to be content. I've learned that, that, that God is my source. How many of y'all know what it's like to have full pantries? How many of y'all had a friend in school you liked going over to their house? How many of y'all like that friend? They had the hostess, the ding-dongs, the Twinkies, and you would sneak in the kitchen. <laughs> Because they didn't have a sweet tooth like you did. That was me. I would go to, I don't know if I say this, probably going all over the online. But I would go over to this person's house. And uh, their daddy was an attorney in town. He had a Porsche. <laughs> I mean, I remember what it was like whenever you were a kid to see a Porsche. I'm like, oh my God, it's a Porsche. Oh my God. And he would never drive it. Drove me crazy. I was like, I was like 11. I'm like, oh my God, I would burn the wheels off that thing. <laughs> Yeah, the Porsche, you know, and then they had a cupboard full. And maybe you've had a, a situation where you're like, well, you just had full covers. But how many, how many ever had your cover, your, your cover, uh, your cover get down to where you just have like a sweet potato pie filling can? Yeah. <laughs> and then it's just like, <laughs> you open up the cover and it's just like a can of sweet potato pie filling. It's been in there for like three years and the wrapper's all torn off of it. <laughs> and you have like a kidney bean and, and that's it. You're just like, man, this is, this is, this is not, not, not a good time. Not, 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 not a good situation. Apostle Paul, he says, I've been in both situations. He says, I've been in situations where I had more than I needed. And then he says, I've also been in situations where I didn't have enough. Much like Elisha, Elisha came out of a situation where everything was really good. And he was led into a season that didn't last forever. This is not things that God wants us to deal with forever. But I believe in every season of our life, we have to be able to say, God, you're my source. God, you're my source. When things are well, when they're not well, that God, you're still my source. And I honor you appropriately. Let's go on. He says, yes, he says it was good of you to share in my troubles. He says, moreover, you, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. Really interesting. He says, no church helped me do the will of God. No church helped me tell people about Jesus except you Philippians. You're the only ones. He says, except you only. He says, for even whenever I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once whenever I was in need. And I love this. And this is always my heart as a pastor. He says, not that I desire your gifts. He says, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. I love that. The Apostle Paul, he says, listen, I'm here to thank you for doing what you did. It helped me come out of that season of my life. But he says, I'm not telling you this because I was happy to get what you gave me. I'm telling you this. I've learned to be content and, and, and understand that no matter what the situation of my life is, if God's got to use stinking birds, he can get it to me. God can get me what I need to accomplish his purpose and for me to have what I need as long as I keep him in the right place in my heart. 
He says, I'm not worried about that. He says, I'm the most excited that as you became generous and as you put God as first place in this area of your life, he says, it affected your account, not my account. God controls my account, not you. You don't control my account. God controls my account. Me and God, we're the ones that determine my account. He says, I'm so excited that this is going to do something in your own account. And he says, watch this. He says, he says, I have received full payment and I have more than enough. He says, I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable offering, pleasing to who? Pleasing to God. And now this is the other scripture that we quote so many times. And my God will meet, or my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. How many ever said that verse before? I mean, we hear that verse all the time. If you grew up in church. Now, if you're new, you say, man, I haven't been to church in 20 years. Well, this is a verse that us <laughs> church people use whenever we talk about the Lord supplying all of our needs. And we get it. We, we get it airbrushed on things. We probably have ornaments on our tree that say this. And this is, this is, this is a verse that, that, that we, what we attach. How many of you have ever gone to one of these events where you got a wrist bracelet to get in and out of the event? We, me and my wife just last week, we went to a concert to go hear some slow jams. <laughs> you know what slow jams are. Everybody, find that partner. <laughs> Skate backwards. How many of y'all remember that? How many of y'all remember that at the rink? You know, at the rink. Everybody. And they got the, the big burly DJ, you know, and he's kind of creepy. He's working at the he's working at the skating ring. He's like, everybody. And they're about to put on some slow jam, you know. So so we go to this concert last week and we get we get one of these one of these wrist bracelets. And how many ever how many ever got one of them wrist bracelets and you put it on loose so that you could take it off and give it to the other person because you don't want you don't have to pay for them to get in? You're like, here, put this bracelet on, put this bracelet on. Yeah, that's stealing. Uh <laughs> Anyway, that's beside the point. Uh, but how many y'all know if you take that bracelet and you just rip it off and hand it to somebody and try to get into that event, they're not going to let you in. How many y'all know that's right? Why? Because that, that thing's not attached to you. It's not part of you. And I think a lot of times we try to rip scriptures out of the Bible and make them part of us. How many y'all know they're not a part of you if, if you didn't purchase what it took to get it? In other words, if you didn't pay the price of admission for that wrist bracelet, you can't just rip it off and give it to your neighbor. And sometimes I think we hijack scriptures and we say, and my God shall supply all of my needs. Listen, listen, the, the whole purpose of the day is for God to be your source. And, and for you to understand that whenever, whenever things are good, he need, he, you need to see him establish this fact as your source. And when things aren't good, you have to establish him as your source. And one of the ways that we identify him as our source is through our giving. And that's just a fact. That, that whenever we don't have a bunch, if you see broke people being generous in the scriptures. And you notice Jesus didn't turn the, the woman that brought two pennies Away Now, I would think the Christian thing to do if I was Jesus and standing there and, a, and a, a, a broke widow woman comes and puts two pennies in the offering, I would have been like, no, ma'am, I, I can't take that. 
I don't want to take that from you. You take that. In fact, here's some extra money. You go buy you, you go buy you some bread. But you notice Jesus did not do that to that woman because he knew that 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 that, that money that, that that what we have that that if God will be our source, we'll always have what we need. As long as as long as you keep God in the right place, you'll always have what you need. You can have confidence in that. As long as you don't love stuff more than you love God. You'll always have what you need. I left you some blanks for, for that in, in your worship guide. You can't love God more than you love stuff. As long as you keep that stuff in the right perspective. But God didn't turn poor people away from giving. And now I told you that three people I'm going to show you. And I'm going to show you the last one right now. I showed you the, the, the prophet. I showed you the preacher. Now I'm going to show you the widow. And we're going back to the, we're continuing our story of Elijah. We're going to pick right back up where we were. Because Elijah's at a place where one stream ended. One revenue stream for him just ended. Carrier took all of the jobs to Mexico. I mean, I know that's been in the news lately. But Trump like Moses. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> But jobs, they move, right? And he's at a point to where his, this stream has ended. This, reven, this way for him to survive has ended. So now we're going right back to 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going to pick right up where we were. And it says, And then the word came to Elijah again. And he said, Now go to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. How many of y'all see that God will instruct His people into where they need to be to, to make it? Whatever season, whether it's a season of plenty, a season of not much, or a season of barren, whatever the season, He gives real clear instructions, this is your next move. He says, go to this place, I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So He went to Zarephath. And when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and he asked, he says, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I might have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called and he said, And bring me a piece of bread. And this is her, her talking now. She says, As surely as the Lord God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, do not be afraid. Now, here you have, you have a widow woman that her stream is, her brook is about dry. She basically, she says, she says, I only have enough food. I'm going to make one more loaf of bread, one more biscuit. I'm out here gathering sticks right now. What I love about this story is, is Elijah shows up as her stream and, 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 and vice versa. They're both coming to this point, needing each other, not knowing how much they really need each other. Elisha just came for a place where that, that avenue... That that stream dried up. But God told him where his next supply was. And he shows up and now he comes up on this widow woman. And, and her stream is about dried up, right? She doesn't have really anything 
to share. And he says, he says, before you make your son and before you make yourself a, a cake, he says, I want you to make me a cake. But first, he tells her, he says, don't be afraid. He says, I know where you're at. I've been there. I've been to brooks that are dried up. I've been, I've been in this transition before. They're in about year two of a three-year-long drought. He says, I've been where you are. I know where you're at. Don't be afraid. God's here. He's going to help you. He's going to help you through this. So he says, he says, do not be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry. Until the Lord, till the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. She went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day. Everybody say every day. Just a totally new stream. In the middle of a famine, God just opens up another gusher. And he literally gave her a jar that would never run out. And how amazing is that? It's just like you just keep taking oil out of the jar and supernaturally. How many of y'all believe in the supernatural Amen. supply and ability of God? It, he, can use, he can use birds or he can use a jar. And it says here, he says, every time that she went in, the, the jar of flour, it would, it would replenish itself. The jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord that Elijah spoken. So here we have another total individual that, that through against all odds, it doesn't seem like the natural thing to do. And yet she says, okay, I'm going to obey God in this situation. I'm going to see him working and I'm coming out of a, a season of famine, but God brings her to a season of, of really extravagant, really amazing situation here. Last passage of scripture I want to give you this morning and I'm closing. Is, is, is in Colossians. Because in order for us to see God as our source. We have to keep him in the right place. We got to keep him in the right. Or the right position. In, in our life. And this is Colossians chapter 1. I'm closing with this. It says. Speaking of Jesus. It says he is the image of. Of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. He created all things in heaven and on earth. He created everything that's visible and invisible. Whether they are kings or lords, how I many y'all know He created them? Whether they're rulers or their powers, everything has been created through Him and for Him. He existed before everything and he holds everything together. That's my belief for you is that wherever you're at, he's holding it together for you. And if you'll let that set up in your heart and become a foundation of your life, that God's your source and he's holding everything, including you, together. It says he's also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning. He's the first to come back to life. So that he would have first place in everything. If you've got a Bible you can underline. That's the part of the scripture I want you to really see here. Is that Jesus came 
so that he would have first place in everything. Three times in those few portions of scripture there, it talks about he was the first. He was the first. He was the first. And for us to, for, for God to be our source, he has to be first. I mean, I know there's certain things God can't do. And I know we're taught that God can do anything. But actually, there are some things scripturally that God cannot do. And this is one of them. It says that he came so that he'll be first in everything. Not in some things, not a couple of things. He says, I'm first in everything. And if you don't put me first in everything, then things are out of order. But the good news is, is whenever we'll put him first in everything, everything else falls into place. And if you've ever gone through a season or a time of your life where things are kind of chaotic, mentally things are chaotic, right? If you'll bring him back to the lordship of your thoughts, he'll realign some of those things. Financially, when things get crazy, he needs to be first. Mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, he says, I came. I'm the firstborn from everything. Nobody else was qualified to do what I did. Nobody else volunteered to do what I did. Nobody was capable of what I did. I am it. And I came to be first in everything. And if we'll give him first, and I'm just asking you this morning to establish this, that God's your source, and just give him, give him his place. And if you'll keep him first, whenever the brook's dry, or whenever there's famine, or whenever things are going really, really, really well, many times success is more difficult. You know, it's people, just to bring your first fruits. It's like, I don't bring my first fruits. It's, sometimes it's easier to bring it on small stuff than it is on big stuff. But God has to be first. He has to be first. And if you'll do that, if you'll make him first, if you'll keep him first, then I promise you, he'll, if, if something dries up, he'll bring you to another one. It may not be on the first or the 15th. How many of y'all know we like it on the first and the 15th? Yes. It's like, Jesus, it's the first. Where are you at? <laughs> just, how many ever talked to Jesus like that? I have before. I was like, Jesus? It's going to be late after the 11th, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. But... Listen, if we'll keep him first, God is our source. If we won't be attached to stuff, we'll be attached to him. He'll always take care of us. He'll always make sure that you have what you need. I don't know if I gave you all your blanks, but I'll just look at when your relationship to God is stronger than your relationship to stuff, you always have what you need. Down at the bottom, it says, as long as you stay in Christ. Because he says, and my God shall supply all of your needs according to his glory in Christ. So, but you have to stay in Christ. He'll take you from not enough to more than enough. Through every season of your life, God will lead you, He'll guide you, and help get you there. <music>